I think we're all here. Woo. Excellent. Can I um, very quickly test my mute function? So I'm going to press it now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that worked. Please come back. I hadn't said oh. anything yet. No, I'm joking. Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to a brand new podcast all about music in professional wrestling. Yes, it's a niche within a niche. It's Wrestle Tunes. Whether it's entrance music, pay-per-view themes or wrestlers making albums, we've got it all covered here on Wrestle Tunes and we're so excited to have you along for the ride. So, who are we? Well, my name is Jacob Simmons and I am one third of your hosts. Think of me, if you like, as the Michael P.S. Hayes of this fabulous Free Birds, only significantly less racist. And my tag team partners are two very good friends of mine. And first up, hailing from Parts Unknown, a.k.a. Rural Sussex, don't turn your back on the Wolf Packham. It's Mr. Nathan Packham. Hello, Nathan. How are Hello. you? Hello. I uh, had to stop drinking there uh, during the rural Sussex line because that that would not have ended well. Did you get Did you get an NWO Wolfpack reference in there as well? I sure did. Oh wow! Wow. Tony about... WCW was good. <laughs> hey, they had a good run from like ninety ninety eight to ninety nine before it all went downhill. Lex Luger was there in his weird vampire shirt thingy. We were, before recording, talking about Vince Russo. Wasn't there a terrible incident with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan or something? I can't Se- remember. Several. Several. I think. <laughs> I think you're just referring to all of 2000. Are you referring yeah. to the... The Bash, Bash at, at the, the Beach. Beach. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not a good time. Um, yeah, Nathan Packham is the one of my hosts, but also joining us on this journey through wrestling music. He is a man who goes by many names. Ray Cristerio, Gold Chris... The Shamanator, the real Shaman's man, but let's call him Chris Shaman for now. Hello, Chris. Welcome. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Your your name on the software we're using is the Big Dog, but you almost called yourself the Boyk Dog. <laughs> so I did, yeah. I... That is your new nickname. So WWE don't sue us. Exactly. I don't know how you expect me to talk on something when I can't even write the word <laughs> big, but we'll see how it goes. I'm still ah, giggling fine. a bit about Boyk Dog, to be fair. Boink, just sounds, <laughs> sounds so silly. I like it. I'm a fan of the Boyk Dog. So, you know who we are, but you don't know why we're here. Always wanted to say that line. We are here to do a podcast about wrestling music. So, how did this come to be? Well, I th- basically the pr- premise of this episode is we're not going to talk a great deal about wrestling music. We'll talk about the sort of format of the show at the end, but we're just going to introduce ourselves. We're going to get to know you a bit better, get to know e- ourselves a bit better. And I thought I'd start by talking about how we met. So I met you, Nathan, at uni, and then I met Chris through you. But I don't think I know the full story about how you guys met and how you found out you both like wrestling. <laughs> well uh Chris, oh no he's come off mute now but he was eating some uh, chicken sausages um if you hear so, any uh, chewing throughout this podcast it's chris eating his dinner so hey, I'm, i mean i'm, I'm with that mute button <laughs> i'm i'm happy to kick off here um so i took uh yeah i went on a holiday to america at the end of 2018 and Got to got got there, and the, it was like a group trip. Chris can kind of fill you in on the company and stuff. I'm not sure he wants to, but um, he can he can fill you in on that. Um, it was a group trip. The, for the first few days, it would I the, the trip hadn't actually started, so 
uh, I was just pissing about in New Orleans and I thought that I'd kind of got away with sharing with anyone. Um, got to the group meeting and this little, sh- well, this big shit, because Chris is giant, tur- turned oh. up uh, about half an hour, th- uh, yeah, half of the way through. And um, yeah, turns out I was going to be sharing someone with someone for the trip. Um, and then, Chris, do you want to take it from here on our first conversations and what happened there? Yeah, so first off, you did miss the part where you were probably thrilled that it was you and four Australian girls that were going to be on the trip <laughs> until some other big lanky guy turned up halfway through the welcome meeting and apologised for being late. Um, but I did work for the company, so it was okay. I was on a little freebie. Um and I was as miffed as you were, to be honest, when I saw this guy. I was like, oh, God, who's this? Uh, which is the same thing I think when I see you now. Um, <laughs> but at least I know who you are. So, you know, it's a bit better. Um, but yeah, so we were sharing a room. It was in New Orleans. Uh, we'd managed to be in the city two days separately and neither of us had been murdered. So it was a great start. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we checked into our room. And I remember we were just chatting about any old thing. We were talking about things we liked, and it was like, oh, do you like music? Yeah, before we opened up and realised we like a lot of the same things. And then we talked about sport, and uh, you said, oh, yeah, I like football. I like, you know, various different things. And then you stepped away so I couldn't see you, and we we dropped eye contact for a few seconds, and then you went, and I like wrestling. <laughs> that is not how I remember it, but okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I can remember. You went round the corner by the bathroom, um, and then you sort of went, do you like wrestling? I thought you were by the sink. I thought no, I was I... on the bed. No, I oh, was well on the then. bed because um, <laughs> um, no, I was on the bed because I, was... I remember saying, "Well, uh, if you look here, <laughs> oh, this has got weird." Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and by weird, I mean normal. It's twenty twenty two. Come on, guys. Of course. Um, although it was weird because the thing I showed you was that I was wearing a Goldberg t shirt in the year twenty eighteen, which is a very weird thing to do. Yeah, um, and weird. yeah, we champion the year before so yeah that's true and uh world champion again two years later so yes i was back in the right horse um so yeah we we bonded from there and then a uh budding friendship grew um and then obviously uh jacob we met um at a uh, an event where we watched wrestling i think yeah i suppose we should shout them out really because without them this wouldn't be happening big up uh watch wrestling london who meet at London Bridge every time there's a pay-per-view and, and we get together and we don't really watch the pay-per-view. We just sort of talk about stuff. Uh, it doesn't help that the last thing we watched was one of the most pointless pay-per-views I've seen in a very long time, which was Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash, sorry, uh, 2022. And that's sort of, yeah, where, where we, we were chatting. Um, I actually met you first, Chris, at Nathan's birthday party in Finsbury Park, if you oh, remember yeah. that. I think we bonded over walking to go and find somewhere to have a wee. Yeah, because um, I suffer from a terrible illness called stage fright if I'm within 100 <laughs> metres of any other person, no matter how desperate I am to go. Mm. And this was um, in the middle of quite a crowded Finsbury Park on a summer's day, so yeah, we were so quite far to, out. I had to sort of drink until my body could no longer take it, and I absolutely had to go. And yeah, that's the system. The system works. Did you also piss in the corner? I can't remember, because I went Ming. to the corner. Yeah. Anyone who's been to Finsbury Park and needed a wee, I think will know the, the corner we're you talking about. You know where about. the corner know is. know where the corner is. Come on. It's by the entrance, near the near the tube station. So, yeah, we're all big wrestling fans. Um, 
as as we've sort of mentioned already, uh, can I tell the story, Nathan, of how how we sort of bonded over wrestling? Yeah, as long as you go into graphic psychological detail, I've got no problem with that. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, I was going to. So I met <laughs> I met Nathan in my first year of university. We both went to the same uni, and he was in his final year. And we did student radio together, and he had the show after me. So he came in, and we sort of got chatting. I was this shy fresher, and he was, you know, he he was, you know, the old the older boy that I had to impress. And uh, I was wearing a Shine Down T-shirt, the band Shine Down. And Nathan was like, "Oh, I think I know one of their songs because they did the theme tune to a WrestleMania." And they did. It was "I Dare You," the theme, one of the theme tunes to WrestleMania twenty two or twenty three. I think 22. 22. Yeah. 22. With Sledgehammer. Not Sledgehammer. Big oh, time. come on, Chris. Everyone knows that Sorry. theme. Come on now. <laughs> That's the one WrestleMania theme everyone knows. And then, yeah, we got chatting about wrestling because I, na- I name dropped WrestleMania. And Nathan invited me round to watch wrestling with him. I believe it was Survivor Series 2015. I think I was. can't remember the event. <laughs> I remember what there was. That was the one that sh- where Seamus cashed in or got cashed in on. Seamus cashed in Money in the Bank on yeah. Roman Reigns after he won yeah. the, the tournament, beating then Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley for the belt. Right. And uh, I thought Nathan was inviting me round because he fancied me. Basically, <laughs> uh, I thought. Did you fancy him? <laughs> Um, oh my god, that totally threw me that question. <laughs> um, no, Jacob's really hairy. No, I didn't. Um, no, sorry, Simmons. That's fu- no. I'm, um, I'm, as we've said on many times, we're, we're very glad that neither of us are attracted to each other yeah, because we are um, we are platonic, platonic husband and husband. And just to get this out of the way, I am one of those rare breeds. I'm an LGBT wrestling fan. <laughs> uh, there's there's about three others of us. Um, on earth so you, you all um, get together don't you and, and talk about um you talk you talk about darren young um <laughs> and Sonya darren Deville, young and darren and, young and orlando jordan oh, and his yeah. fucking tape <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah um but yeah no well, well thank you nathan for bringing that up and, and good for you because yeah it's not obviously not the best environment a lot of the time but wrestling is for everyone and so is this podcast so yeah and if you don't like that you can stop listening quite frankly Anyway, before I get completely rampantly political... Well, let's not lose them all, come on. <laughs> let's keep some of the homophobes. Why not? Let's do first wrestling memories. Nathan, what's your first wrestling memory? Well, it may not be the first wrestling I ever saw, but the first wrestling memory that I can think of is going into my brother's room when I was six years old and should not have been watching the product at that time. And Armageddon 2000 was on. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, it was just all about the Rikishi bump. It's the only thing I remember from that entire pay-per-view. What a pay-per-view, though. That is... um, Well, people often deride that pay-per-view because, obviously, the six-man Hell in a Cell was the main event, so the undercard was kind of lacking. But Kane and Chris Jericho, I think, had a match on that card. I think it was Last Man Standing. (laughs) Is that the coffee feud? That is the coffee feud, yes. Well done. And that's that's a pretty decent match. Um, But it's all about the six-man cell, isn't it? Like... What a crazy match. I mean, it's not actually that good. <laughs> just <laughs> having watched it back, it's not actually that good. But um, really? I mean, it's just it's all worth it for uh, Rikishi falling into the chips. Um, we don't mean we don't mean French fries for those no. who haven't seen the bump. Wood it's, chips. Yeah. 
That's yeah, it. Because why wouldn't you keep those in the back of the pickup truck <laughs> that you've driven to the ring? <laughs> if I could have fries, if I could have a pickup truck full of French fries, I would absolutely. So if wow. you were Austin in the Attitude Era, you'd be firing French fries out of a cannon at Vince and the corporation <laughs> in the ring. I feel like older brothers are such a classic gateway into wrestling. Um, Chris, are you have you got older siblings, or was your gateway into wrestling more of your own volition? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've got two older brothers, and they um, they used to watch in the early 90s, so they had all the action figures. So they had the Ultimate Warrior, they had both Road Warriors, um, all the Warriors. Um, there was a Hogan... <laughs> who um, like had his hands like in front of him so he could grip the other wrestlers. Um, very unposable, these things. Um, but I inherited those. They had Tatanka as well, and he used to spin round with his fists out. Um, <laughs> you had a Tatanka, that's amazing. Yeah, so they, between the toys they had that I got, I sort of had a main event, a mid-card, and then sort of dark <laughs> match set of figures. Tatanka um, was the main event, right? Yeah, big time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just him, and that was it. He'd come out, um, and then, yeah, just win. Easy. Did you ever incorporate uh, other action figures, like Power Rangers or Action Men, into the wrestling, or was it purely wrestling? Uh, so, purely wrestling, because they uh, were a slightly different proportion, annoyingly, to anything yeah. else I had. So, I, I couldn't do, I... like, Hulk Hogan v. Darth Vader or something like that. <laughs> what a, that would sell out anywhere in the country. Book it. Even these days. 90-year-old James L. Jones. Versus 90-year-old Hulk Hogan. Yeah, if that was headlining Money in the Bank, they wouldn't have had to have moved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is embarrassing. Um, so uh, then moving that, not the figures. I'll die by the fact that I had these figures. Um, I, I'm almost so... certain I inherited almost exactly the same figures as you from my cousin. So I remember the Hogan with the sword. It looks like he's hugging someone and you can sort of open the figures. You can open the arms out and grip the other wrestlers. So... That's very yeah, cool. They, they slam back closed and yeah. sort of the fists, the paints would come off after it happens like a couple <laughs> of times. Uh, poorly made action figures. Yeah. yeah. What was your first, like, actually watching wrestling? What was your first memory? Uh, sorry, when you said first actually, I thought you were going to say first action figure. So I'm uh, <laughs> glad you managed to steer us in the right direction again. Um, so my first memory was uh, one year before... Uh, Nathan's mine was Armageddon 1999. So <laughs> December uh, was a huge bro- time for you guys. Yeah, um, getting ready for Christmas. You know what mm. says Christmas more than a bit of wrestling? Yeah. And so I came in, and my brother was just about to watch it. Uh, we were like the only house, um, or I was the only kid in my class at school where we had Sky Sports because my parents were really into football. So we uh, got all the pay per views. Um, Obviously, some of them on Channel 4 back then as well. Um, but we'd always record them. So that was the first one I saw. And then I watched all of them pretty much after that until about 2002. Um, it does mean, however, the first match I ever saw was the Acolytes versus the Hardy Boys. Uh, well, it was actually a battle royal, but they were the last ones. So, yeah, Farouk and Bradshaw um, winning the gold. First wow. match I ever saw. Obviously, that was the event as well. Um, I don't know what you think I'm going to say it's most remembered for, but the thing I'm going to say it's most remembered for is for the cats being there and uh, having to be covered up by right to censor. Um, So I was led in uh, to an event where the third match I saw was an evening gown pool match with some (laughs) softcore nudity. Um, (laughs) 
So I can't imagine why you uh, why you stuck around, Chris. That's uh, <laughs> hey, um, they uh, yeah they lured me in with that, and that never happened again. Wow. But uh, that's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, May Young got her got her breasts out in the at the Rumble two thousand. Yeah, was that not um, was that, that not to your liking? And that would have been the next pay per view I saw as well. So what a run! Yeah, was ninety nine <laughs> uh, was Armageddon ninety nine headline? Was it Triple H versus Vince? Yeah, no holds barred match. The um, yeah. the belt was not on the line in the main event of this event because Vince had won the championship earlier that year. I think on an episode of SmackDown, and he'd think he'd beaten Triple H. So. That's how my understanding of, of how that feud came to be. I don't know who the champion was at this point. It must have been, oh. must have been Triple H, right? Uh, so uh, it was the match before, and it was a big match because it was big show against the big boss man. Oh, dear. <laughs> that was the coffin yeah. feud, right? The coffin stealing feud? Yeah, where they keep referring to the Big Show's dad as the Big Show's daddy on commentary the whole time, which it never stops making me laugh. But the Big Show's you, daddy's coffin. If you were my son, I wish I'd die too. <laughs> An actual line from his from his poem. Oh, oh. Ray Trailer, miss you every day. Well, now, I will say I don't remember this event too well, though. I remember bits of it. But we did have some VHSs that we uh, that were actual ones that my brother had bought and that we watched. And I remember uh, after this going back and watching King of the Ring '98 mm. and Royal Rumble '99. And because I thought it was real, I loved Mick Foley, and I <laughs> loathed The Rock for what he did to him in the I Quit match because I was like, how could he do that to such a nice man? I mean, and it that wasn't... was pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> it was and... pretty real. <laughs> it wasn't until about 2001 that I actually went, I don't mind The Rock, actually. He's all right. Oh, wow. You had a, I mean, yeah. both of those shows, Mick Foley had a terrible time because King of the Ring is <laughs> obviously the one where he got chucked <laughs> off the cell. Did you hate Taker as well? Or um, To be fair, I mean, this is an episode in itself, but um, I never really was bothered about The Undertaker. I respected him as a wrestler and everything, but I wanted the streak to end for like 10 years. Jeez, wow. But I love the drama, and there's nothing better than a wrestling fan meltdown online as well. <laughs> yeah, <you've laughs> Please continue I mean, to listen. <laughs> the un- <laughs> so we've, we've, put off, we've put off homophobes and Undertaker fans. That is, I feel like that Venn diagram crosses over quite well. So <laughs> I don't think we've... Uh... He used to be my favourite wrestler until he started giving interviews. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to out myself now as the youngest member of this team because uh, I didn't want, well, even being the youngest member, I didn't watch wrestling as a kid. It was one of those things where I wasn't super aware of it. Like a guy in my class, I remember collected, I think they were slam attacks at this point, but some sort of wrestling trading card. Oh, you're so young. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. That was like three years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> slam know. attacks. I don't know if they were called slam attacks at this point, but they were wrestling trading cards. And oh. he brought them into school one day. And this is my probably my earliest wrestling memory of him telling me about Kelly Kelly and explaining that she was so nice they named her twice. Uh, <laughs> that is a fact. That is a, that is scientifically proven. But yeah, that sort of rumbled away for a little bit, and then in 2014. When I was 17, I think. Yeah, 17. Jeez. Yep. Uh, a friend of mine, 
who was into wrestling, I went around his house once to hang out and he was watching WrestleMania 30. So I sort of you got caught... so lucky. Yeah, I did. Though my to sort of counter Chris's first match, my first match was Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, the opener of the of that show, and I was like, at first, I was really snooty about it. I was like, oh, this is dumb, and obviously Daniel Bryan's going to win because he's the little guy, and this is stupid and fake and rubbish. And then I got into it via video games because I thought, ah, oh, this would be quite fun. I mean, obviously, like, in real life, it's stupid and fixed. But if I play it on a video game, it could be real and I can make up my own stuff. So I bought WWE 2K14, which doesn't get enough love in my book because it has this incredible story mode called 30 Years of WrestleMania, where you play through some of the biggest matches in Mania history. And that is basically how I learned about wrestling. And... Without that game, I would not be the wrestling fan I am today. So that was my first match. My first proper show, because I took a while to actually start watching it properly, was, and this is even less of an event than Armageddon 1999, it was Night of Champions 2014. Woo! Does anyone remember anything from that show? I will have watched it, but no. I can't even remember what month that was in. <laughs> I can tell you the opening match was uh, Goldust and Stardust beating the Usos for the Tag Team Championships. Oh, that rings a bell. And I was thrilled because I hated the Usos to start with. I thought they were really boring. Had they um, had they standardised the set by that point? Because Night of Champions was always quite um, an extravagant affair. But maybe it was just all pretty generic by then. This was very generic. Right. Yeah. Okay. This was so Le- Lesnar had just won the title by squashing Cena at SummerSlam. Uh, so there was no world. Ch- the, the main the main event was actually Cena versus Lesnar, but it was interrupted by Rollins uh, attempting to cash in Money in the Bank and failing. Um. So I can't remember who who stopped him. I think it was just Cena. But that's the time I was watching. No idea why I kept watching because it seemed like a pretty torrid time. So I missed I missed the Shield. I missed Daniel Bryan's rise to the top. Uh, I not to mention all the other stuff. But I've sort of gotten into I I I've gotten into wrestling sort of by archives and watching old pay per views and YouTube and things like that. So um, I've I've only been an active fan for about eight years. But please don't hate me. I do know my stuff. I promise. Yeah, you know more than I do, to be fair. <laughs> Is anyone watching anything week to week? How? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, did 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 anyone ever watch anything week to week? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, I've told. Oh, sorry, I, it sounded like an old record, Jacob, because you've heard all this before. But yeah, two thousand and seven was my year of uh, watching week to week pretty sure it was a not a very good time in the industry but uh i remember it fondly at least well one very bad thing happened in 2007 but yes we won't yes, we did. won't talk about that for too long uh i remember you telling me about how you used to watch ecw on a portuguese website i've watched all of it on a portuguese oh. website yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the big illegal stream back then um <laughs> I wonder if sapo.pt is still uh, still an active website, but the quality of that for 2007 was insane. Sapo.pt could be an indie wrestler. <laughs> He's definitely have a match for like GCW or something. I mean, Portuguese wrestlers, it's only... Um, I can't remember his name. The Who's Portuguese por- Man of War. Who is that? Was that the, um, 
Just Incredibles gimmick in uh, oh, WWF. Aldo, Aldo Montoya. Aldo Montoya, yeah. yeah. Gee, what, that is oh, a, that's deep a deep cut. cut. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. What is his theme music? <laughs> Let's look at that up at some point. Um, yeah, and Chris, did you ever watch Week to Week? Um, so I feel so old, despite only being a couple of years older than Nathan. Um, but my year for watching Weekly, well, I've got two years, uh, 2000. Wow. Uh, I was three so, years old, Chris. <laughs> oh, it was a good time. So mm. Raw wasn't on live, and neither was SmackDown either. Um, this is back when they were filmed on a Monday and a Tuesday, and they were broadcast on Monday and Thursday in the US, and we got them Friday and Saturday. So you had Friday Night Raw, which would be on at either 9 or 10 p.m. on Sky Sports, and I'd wow. ask really nicely if I could stay up, and usually... So I was about eight or nine. I'd be half asleep um, by the midway point, and I'd be completely asleep by the main event. So I'd miss some absolute carnage that would go on in the Attitude Era. And my brother would go, "I can't believe Stone Cold Steve Austin came back." And I'd go, "Did he? I fell asleep during Road Dog versus S.A. Rios or something like that." Um, so we'd have Raw then. Then I'd get up early and watch SmackDown on a Saturday, and it was peak time when there'd be a chair shot or something and they would just cut to the crowd oh yeah and then my other year um it's a bit half i suppose because i just watched raw but 2004 peak reign of terror oh dear oh no yeah i know rest the thing is wrestlemania 20 pulled me back in where it all begins again i believe them (laughs) Even though it was where it all continues from exactly where it left off. <laughs> Should really hear, have been the uh, the slogan. You hear that a lot about people being pulled back in by 20, because that's when Taker came back as the dead man for the first time. Yeah, and I mean, I had just missed the dead man gimmick. He was injured at the end of 99, and then yeah. he came back at Judgment Day 2000, uh, which is dubbed yeah. on the network, so you can't hear the wonders of American Badass by Kid <laughs> Rock. Um, you just Ball, hear that. Uh, ball, bang, bang, <laughs> pretty, pretty. You just get that dead man walking one instead. Oh, is it? Is it the dead not living? You've not done biscuit? it now. You've gone and made a big mistake. <laughs> I actually don't mind. I don't mind that theme. I know a lot of people hate it, but anyway. Um. Wow. What a what a couple of years to watch. Like, yeah, two thousand four. Obviously, yeah. I think you'd be you'd be better off with SmackDown in two thousand and four. But two thousand, man, that is. Like off regarded as the best year of wrestling ever. Yeah, I was quite lucky on that. Um, me watching Raw instead of SmackDown will lend quite nicely into which shows I still watch now as well, which um, is quite damning. You're probably thinking, oh no, what's he going to say? And you're right to. I'm exactly what WWE wants because I don't watch any other wrestling programs anymore at all except WWE. You will still watch Raw and SmackDown then every week? Um, no, I tend to, um, shout out to a few people here. I tend to watch Simon Miller's ups and downs on, um, what culture on YouTube. And I just believe him with what's been good and what's been bad <laughs> or uh, bleacher report, um, as oh, well. Okay. They do grades on there. Um, so yeah, I look at that too. Um, they post stuff on YouTube as well. I mean, the short answer is no. Um, <laughs> this is the, uh, very convoluted answer. Um, but yeah, I just buy into the fact that I've always watched it and I can't be bothered to learn anything else. Although that's <laughs> not to say I didn't watch CM Punk's debut on um, oh, yeah. AEW. Nathan and I watched that together. Oh, cheers for the invite. <laughs> you live together, it's fine. This is when we live together, so... <laughs> 
I would love to watch Dynamite week to week. Uh, the current job I have does not lend my lend to a regular schedule, but I'm changing jobs soon. And honestly, one of the first things I'm looking forward to doing is having a Thursday evening where I watch Dynamite because uh, I'm a big AEW guy at the moment. Like, I mean, obviously, WWE is impossible to escape and it will always be there and I will always watch it in one form or another or consume it. Uh, I'm a WrestleTalk guy, Chris, when it comes to my catch-up. Uh, oh, catch you up support people. WrestleTalk. I'm actually wearing a support WrestleTalk t-shirt right now. So, yeah, I really <laughs> do. Nice. And But, like... Yeah, like you said, Nathan, it's impossible. Like, it's it's sort of, it it's 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 not made for consumption. It's not made for week to week consumption anymore. Like, I feel the best consumption of WWE is just to read the reports or watch them on YouTube. I mean, I completely agree. Uh, I only do pay per views now. I do WWE and AEW pay per views. I don't see a massive difference between the two. Um, the internet's going to hate me, but um, <laughs> uh, especially when it started, I was like, "What's the difference?" It's become a bit more clear now. But um, I, I, yeah, that's kind of why. Yeah, I just do the pay per views. Really, um, I don't branch out beyond that. I mean, in two thousand and seven, I. Uh, I was big on Wrestling Society X, but oh, that only you? that only lasted about four episodes or something. So, um, wow. yeah, that that was a bonkers show. <laughs> I have, uh, I think, the first DVD that they did of Wrestling Society X somewhere at home, like my parents' house. I've never how seen they, it. How did they produce a DVD when they ended? Like. <laughs> within a matter of months that's I crazy i think it's one of those situations where they had more stuff filmed but whoever was showing it didn't want it also shame. tna in 2007 was amazing <laughs> i don't care what people say it was the place to be you love 2007 2007 is nathan's year was it was steiner in tna by that point yeah yeah oh. it was yeah it was uh that was the year of the electrified cage oh god like, yeah Lockdown. all like the ultimate bollocks from tna was sort of in that year minus oh. like the square the square ring era obviously that was dreadful but um mm. the dixie yeah, carter lot, years there was a lot of bad stuff in 2007 and very memorable was 2007 the year samoa joe got kidnapped by ninjas um you're pushing me there and i have no idea <laughs> i have no I idea he, what the time frame was for that i think he got kidnapped by ninjas and then just turned up the next week and it was never referenced ever again wow um <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong but that is i think that happened so this is obviously a wrestling podcast as we've said but it's also a music podcast uh we are all big music fans outside of wrestling um, I won't ask you for your first... Well, do you want to talk about your first music memories or do we want to just keep it to sort of what we're listening to at the moment and what we like? How do you talk about first music memories? That's... Well, how, how, do you, how did you get into music like as a hobby rather than as casual listening? As a, well, th- this is well-tread. <laughs> this is a well-trod path as well. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, music was just background stuff for me for a large part. I mean, I, I loved it. Um, and I, I was a big uh, Michael Jackson fan, if you're still allowed to say that, um, <laughs> when I was a child. Um, uh, but um, my turning point uh, was my dad had a tape of the Beatles 67 to 70 uh, Blue Album. And... Um, that is probably the reason I'm 80% the way I am now. 
to be honest. And in that, yeah, the Beatles are yeah classic way into music, and that those especially the the Red and Blue albums, the two greatest hits, effectively. You hear a lot of people getting into music through that. Was that like your was that your tape, or was it like a classic in the car kind of tape? Um, it was in the car originally, and then it was just in my sister's room. Um, <laughs> it was not a uh, legal tape. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope I'm allowed to say that. Uh, to the extent no, that someone's that the going song... to arrest your dad. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think they will. I don't no. think they will. To the extent the old brown shoe cut off because there wasn't enough room, <laughs> and I didn't hear old brown shoe for the next year and a half in full <laughs> until I got the past master CD. And and when you heard Old Brown Shoe, was it worth the wait? Oh, I love a bit of Old Brown Shoe. Old Brown Shoe. There we go. Chris, do you like the Beatles? And if you don't, then what other music do you like? Or I suppose that question applies if you do as well. Um, so they're not my favourite band of all time, but I do like them a lot. Um, they're one of these bands where I do just listen to the greatest hits. But like we mentioned, the red and the blue. I'm a blue person over a red person. I like the experimental stuff that they did later on. Uh, a Day in the Life is unbelievable. It's my favourite um, song of all time, A Day in the Life by the Beatles. Is it? The yeah. the yeah. crescendo in that used to make my brother cry when he was a baby. My mum couldn't listen to it. Oh. oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, whilst you, you, you like a sort of... Is it fair to say you're into sort of classic rock and a bit of prog as well? Uh, yeah, but then... I mean, I describe myself as having a middle-aged mum's taste in music. <laughs> It's the most uh, so, accurate description of anything I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of um, synthesizers, but not in the way they're used today. Uh, so people always go, oh, you like this, it's got synthesizers in. And then I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same. It's like saying, oh, you'll like this piece of music because it has a guitar in. You like <laughs> that one guitar song from 40 years ago. Um, and not in the context of, because Genesis are my favourite band, but I prefer their pop era, so... Um, not in terms of songs that are like 25 minutes long and things. Um, you don't fancy so yeah, a bit of Selling England by the Pound then? Well, that's my favourite Peter Gabriel era Genesis album because um, uh, Dancing with the Moonlit Night is an absolute cracker of an opening song. And then you've still got long ones. Like, you know what? We'll do this another time because this isn't, um, <laughs> this isn't uh, Genesis tunes. We're definitely, uh, lo- we're definitely linked by a love of Peter Gabriel, I would say. On this podcast, me and you, Chris, are linked by a love of Phil Collins, but I don't think Nathan is. No, he's often given me, um, I'll just come out and say it, abuse for my music taste <laughs> at times. Because I am, um, then I sort of, again, I love to give the very long answers, but um, when I said I like synthesizer music, um, but not the old long prog rock songs, apart from Genesis, um, and not in the way it's used now. Um, I like it in the way it was fused with pop in the 80s. So Phil Collins would do songs where there's not a single real instrument on there. It's just him in a studio synthesizing all of the sounds. So, yeah, I really like when they would fuse that stuff with pop and then you ended up with uh, middle-aged mum music. Oh, yeah. I think for me, I I tend to listen to anything and everything, really. I, I like to just hear things and and give my opinion on them basically as boring as that is i as nathan will attest to when you first met me i was big into rock music and big into like what would have been modern rock at the time so bands like avenge sevenfold the aforementioned shinedown alter bridge probably my favorite band at the time 
bands like Blackstone Cherry, like a country rock band. I was into them. And that was my sort of gateway into music was being a teenager and listening to sort of the almost borderline emo music, although I never fully tipped over into the emo lifestyle. Uh, if you ever see me in real life, I'm the least emo looking person, possibly <laughs> only second to Nathan. So, but the Beatles are my favorite band of all time. Uh, as boring as that is, but as you said, Chris, you can't deny the legacy and the history. Yeah. I mean, like I've read, I've read books and not nearly as many as Nathan. Nathan is a, a scholar on the Beatles. Um, speaking of music, if you can hear some sort of music in the background of my, it's because I think some youths have decided to throw a party in my, in the car park outside my flat. So apologies for that. I'll yell at them with my walking stick when we're done. But yeah, I think music is just, it, it's, it, it, it's just undeniable. Like there is so much to it. It's there's so much beyond the sounds and there's so much beyond what you actually hear that I was drawn to it, you know, immediately. And it's, it's a constant thing in my life and it always will be. And then music is, is the reason to not die. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. And Sorry. No, no, it's a good, I get it. It's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> put in an interesting way but i'm the same with wrestling like, i think about music all the time i think about wrestling all the time so it, it made a lot of sense to do this podcast um they're both they're two things that you just can get so into though like there's sort of the surface level of both of them but when you dig a little bit deeper is so rich and there's so much history and lore and background to get into and you know there's the politics as well the backstage stuff the the the, the, the what's a shoot and what's a work in wrestling and in music is so fascinating that, you know, I don't know why more people aren't into both. Social stigma. Well, that, that ultimately what it comes down to. Yes. So. And we know which one it is as well. Yeah, we to. know yeah. which one it is. Yeah. yeah they don't play mean. wrestling in the background in shopping centres and stuff like that. Ah, oh, that would be great. Head to TK Maxx <laughs> just with Royal Rumble 2001 in the background. That would be amazing. That'd be so good. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was wrestling in you know the caves of prehistory, but not in the form uh, the form that it is now. Whereas uh, music has never not existed, really. Yeah, this is getting quite philosophical now. Sorry, I, I know Sorry. I'm all for it. I like it. I like <laughs> it. What makes a good wrestling song? Then, what is the ultimate marriage of the two? What do you like in wrestling music, Nathan? Uh, Jim Johnston, um, basically. Uh, once, <laughs> I don't really I want to you, say anything else. You once called him the most underrated composer in American music history, I believe. Or in, like. I think, oh, what ridiculous statement. I think I've probably said in 20th century America <laughs> or something. Probably something like that. Um, what makes a good wrestling theme? Uh, Jim Johnson's bass lines. Jim Johnson is a master of uh, bass. Um, if we want to talk about it wider, it's got to be a bit ridiculous, obviously. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Um, and I'm trying to think of some other stuff, really. I mean, I get, I guess you'll love me saying this, Jacob, but a lot of the time it has got to lean more towards the rock side of yes. uh, of the divide, unfortunately. And that that is the only sphere where I get fully into phallus waving uh, <laughs> rock music. Is uh, is um, is in wrestling. Um, so those are my three very vague points, if that makes any sense. It's got to be, and I noticed this as soon as I started watching wrestling, it's rock or hip-hop, isn't it? Like, those are the genres, really. Very, very aggro, very masculine, 
genres even in even in in women's wrestling's theme music like there has to be that that beat there has to be that aggression there has to be that hype i think is what it comes down to i don't know if you but think agree. of all those oh, but i'm just talking about jim again really but like <laughs> no well, wave the, the john wave the jim johnston flag by all yeah. means Although all those female wrestling themes that we love, and we because he's just so good at pastiche, and mm. we always sing the Kelly Kelly theme. It's hilarious. Hello, and I don't know whether his uh, intentions were slightly misogynistic, or he's got such a good understanding of humor and pastiche. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the rock and hip hop thing, but. Johnson still nails the the um I guess trashy <laughs> mid early to mid two thousands woman as well. Yeah, I think um, like you're talking like synth pop, like Euro trash kind of themes. That yeah, very... and just like mm. money. I like money and I like my boobs kind of <laughs> music as well. That was um that was Melina's gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Corey Graves' gimmick at the moment. Yes. Uh, what do you what do you think chris what goes into a good wrestling song so yeah anything by big jim you know does it for me um 100 back you on that i think he um was very good at understanding exactly how a song should go with a gimmick as well up to the point where it's all just completely infused if that's the right word um because you get times when, like, Randy Orton had this fire burns for, like, two weeks, and it just straight up did not work. Mm. Um, I feel like he always got it spot on. Other things I like, occasionally, when a song is just a good song in its own right, say, for example, CM Punk with Cult of Personality, um, some of the lyrics are quite appropriate to him, not the ones where it's listing, like, Stalin and people like that. But Gansy. that's Yeah, that sort of anti-establishment feel and the fact that ultimately it's just a really good song as well um i mean bringing like established sort of pre-written music into wrestling is a is a topic for another time but it's a very different skill i think matching essentially scoring a wrestler's entrance as opposed to soundtracking it it's a it's a very different set of skills and sometimes it as you mentioned the cm punk thing it works really well for edge as well uh it worked really i guess yeah kind of the middle ground between that is Triple H who had an established band write music for him. Uh, I think Triple some of Triple H's themes are incredible uh, without giving too much away for future episodes. But yeah, it's a very different, um, as you said, like trying to match the the, the character to the music. And, and there's a lot of songs that I would never listen to on their own. But I think the, the best example of that is Goldust's theme, which fits the character <laughs> so well but I would never listen to that outside of watching a gold dust entrance. But if I'm in the moment and he's coming out and I'm watching an old show and I'm just like, wow, yeah, I totally get what this guy is about. He's, he's sort of glamorous. He's mysterious. He's a bit creepy. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, as I said, it's scoring. It's, it's, it's like scoring a food. It's like scoring a film. It's, it's an incredible skill. Even doing pay-per-view themes as well, because back sort of, from about mid-2001 onwards, I want to say, they started using real songs. But you get your Big Jim theme songs that you would make. Um, perhaps the most famous being the one, you know, The End Is Here, that one, which is effectively a pastiche of uh, The End by The Doors. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to go yeah, down... I thought you were going to go down the get the Deadly Games route. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, cool, blimey. That was... 
Was that 99 that was from? 1998. Wow. Deadly yeah. Games. <laughs> I told you you know more than I do about this, even though I watched <laughs> at the time. Although not 98, because <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't see it then. Um, one thing I do dislike, without giving too much away, is when something is too on the nose about a particular character. There's one theme that I won't mention that is effectively the guy could come out and say it as a promo. That's how on the nose it is. And I hate I hate that. But we'll come to that later. You don't get that. So you're not a, you're not a Dolph Ziggler, the sort of the uh the old school I am perfection. Um I didn't mind that so much. Um and here to show the world as well, I guess. Mm. Which are basically uh, yeah. the same song. Yeah, it probably probably took years for people to notice. There's so much humour in that Dolph song. Oh, I can't. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe we're just going to talk about how fun. Well, that's basically the idea of this podcast. But yeah, how funny. Uh, <laughs> how funny these themes are. You've got to look at it through an ironic lens, don't you? Because it's not like these are ever going to win Grammys or anything or make you cry. But uh, for what they are, it's amazing. I like if I'm in a mood to just listen to wrestling music, there is nothing better. And strolling down the street to something like I don't know Brett's Brett Hart's theme, or <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I get my wraparound shades on and I go down to the ring. Oh man, that's it. That's the one for me. Um, yeah. So the next question I have on my list here is, what is your best live wrestling slash music moment? Now, Nathan, have you ever seen any live wrestling? Do you know what this is really weird? Um. I haven't seen a lot of live wrestling. I love broadcast because you don't have to deal with other people, for one. <laughs> so, sorry to say. And two, I love the structure and the inner workings of broadcast. So I um, I haven't... I feel like I haven't been out to live events like that much in my life. I've seen a couple of indie shows. One of them at our Jacob, our old university venue. Yes, um, I remember that. I wasn't there, but I remember it. That was the, what's the Scottish promotion? Totally gone blank. ICW. 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 Um, and I also saw one at York Hall in Bethnal Green, which is an iconic combat uh, venue. Yeah. Um, and that had Vader in the main event before he passed away. Was that when he faced Osprey? It was when he faced Osprey, yeah. <laughs> that was a wow. mad time. That was 20, I want to say it was like 2016, 2017. It was 2016, yeah, because I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got, I got dumped that night as well. That was a very weird <laughs> evening. Um, <laughs> by, by Vader. By Vader, yeah, Vader dumped me on my ass, um, yeah, and then hit you with the Vader bomb. <laughs> um, and I've only seen one WWE show, and it's not even a main roster show. I saw the NXT um, show at the Royal Abbott Hall in 2018, and I think you went on night one, Jacob. Yeah, you went on the night where Mustache Mountain won the tag team championships. Yeah, which I just perpetually forget that that happened. (laughs) They were champions for like a week. It really wasn't. It was essentially to pop the hometown crowd. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that show sold very well. So it was sort of a wasted moment. Uh, Yeah, I was at the first night when Zach Gibson won the tournament to face Pete Dunne. Uh, I believe it was on night two, uh, which he lost. So lol. Uh, Can't really talk about a lot of the people who are on those shows because they're all wrong-uns now, but never mind. Uh, Let's move on from that. But what about live music? I mean, you said you don't really like going to live events, but you've been to, you've seen a couple of quite big names live in person. Oh, well, yeah. God, I'm such a downer. I want to preface this again by saying, um, (laughs) 
there's nothing best, better than listening to a studio album in headphones. Um, I have never had a live music experience that has come close to uh, that. Um, I feel like that's a rarity as well, maybe. Mm. Um, you are just an enigma of a man. <laughs> you are the, the charismatic enigma, Nathan Hackham. Um, except I wouldn't take any of the risks that Jeff Hardy does. Uh, wouldn't even come <laughs> or, close. Or any of the other things that Jeff Hardy does. <laughs> or any of the other things that Jeff Hardy does. Um, we love you, Jeff. We love you, Jeff. Uh, do we love Jeff? Do um, we love Jeff? Chris, you are a man who likes his live music quite a bit. So what is some of your standout moments? Uh, yeah, so it's a great uh, renaissance period for 80s bands realising they can charge like £200. Um, <laughs> and people will pay, including me. Um, and by me, I mean I'll ask my mum if my birthday and Christmas present for that year can be to go to that show. Um, oh. Or... Uh, get in debt no um there's plenty that don't charge that that was just an extreme um i mean my first ever show was john anderson and rick wakeman from yes uh acoustic at the anvil in basingstoke (laughs) (laughs) that might be the highlight of this episode (laughs) the anvil in basingstoke yeah well my second show was paul carrick at the anvil in basingstoke as well big up to the anvil if if it's still is it still in, is it still functioning as a venue? Uh, yeah, I saw Rick Wakeman there a couple of years ago. Oh, fantastic! It survived COVID. On his own. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Good. I when I was last there, yeah, I've been to loads of stuff at the Anvil. In fact, the locals call Basingstoke Blazing Smoke. But uh, <laughs> enough about God's County, Northeast Hampshire. <laughs> Big up to Jane Austen. Um, my. <laughs> you saw saw her at the Anvil. Oh, I wish. Um, yeah, from Basingstoke, yeah. Jane Austen. <laughs> Stone Cold Jane Austen. <laughs> she was there. Mr. Darcy. <laughs> I'm not happy with where this is going. No. no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that but was yeah. my first. No, you never forget your first time. Um, you never forget your first time. No, it's usually just. Um, let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> My favourite music memory, obviously I'm horribly biased, but it was seeing Genesis in March um, because they're my favourite band of all time. And um, with yours being the Beatles and mine being Genesis, I think we can appreciate um, in 2022 having singers whose voices (laughs) have pretty much gone, but we still love them anyway. So Collins, Paul McCartney. Um, But there was an emotional value to it because they're, my favourite band ever. My parents saw them in the 80s um, and the 90s. Um, they had a greatest hits out not long after I started getting my own CDs. And my parents won a copy on the radio as well. So they gave me that. <laughs> so that was my first CD. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And then whenever we'd go anywhere in the car, it would just be, let's stick the Genesis on. Um, oh. uh, so for my favourite band to be my parents' favourite band and then... They toured in 2007, but I was on a school trip to Italy, which is a sore point because I can't really Crushing. say, well, I can't really say, I can't believe you let me go on that school trip to Italy. Um, <laughs> when really, you know, no offense, Italy, but Lake Garda or Invisible Touch. Uh, I know which one I would have picked, but I finally got to see them in 2022 after such a long wait. Never thinking it was going to happen. I'd seen 
Um, Phil Collins three times, Peter Gabriel twice, uh, Steve Hackett, wow. who was a guitarist from the early to late 70s. Uh, I've seen him four times, and I've seen Mike and the Mechanics about eight times because they just constantly <laughs> tour. Sorry, Tony Banks on keyboard and piano, but you just don't tour, so I can't see you. And Anthony Phillips, who was in the band at the start. But this isn't the Genesis podcast. <laughs> I feel like Mike and the Mechanics don't charge a great deal either. So, uh, No, you I wouldn't go if it was more than about 35 quid anyway, because I've seen them yeah. a hell of I will a lot. Point, I will, can I just big up a couple of Mike and the Mechanics songs? Oh, uh, yes. Over My Shoulder and, and is it um, Another Cup of Coffee? Yes. That's a ba- another cup of coffee or one more cup of coffee, whatever it's called, is a banger. Another. That's a great tune. So this that's rolls, a, uh, a to roll it back to the anvil, Paul Carrick was one of the two <laughs> singers in Mike and the Mechanics. When oh, I saw God. him, he did both of those songs at the anvil. Ah, oh, what a fact. I mean, I wish I'd been there. Yeah. My heart. Oh, if we ever get I to do a live show, I'm I'm pulling for us to do it at the Anvil in Basingstoke. Absolutely. To a crowd of, like, of about 10 people. Um, Chris, can I just ask, who asked another innuendo-laden question, because you talked about your first time. Yes. Um, what is your Maybe. number? Because I know you've got a spreadsheet. Um, so if I was to ask, what is your number? What is your this, gig number? This is the most insane thing I've ever seen, by the way. Chris shared with us that he has a spreadsheet of every gig he's ever been to, or every live act he's ever seen, and it is it it's like the it's 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 like the doomsday book. It goes on for if infinity. It is insane. <laughs> uh, thank you for buying me time while I have a look as well. Um, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so event wise, I'm on. Uh, this counts like a music festival as one event as well. Um, I'm on 205. Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and then... What was number What was number 200, by the way? Because that must have been recent. Oh, please be Genesis. Please be Genesis. Come um, on, please. It was bloody, whatever his name was, Carrick Man. It was at the so, Anvil. Five, four, three, two, one. It was Brian Adams at Prism in Kingston. <laughs> Sandwich between Franz Ferdinand and Simply Red. (laughs) Also, can we just say, Prism in Kingston, run by Banquet (laughs) Records now, is one of the places to go to to see live music in London. It is insane, the acts I get there. You saw Father John Misty there recently, didn't you? Yeah, I've I've seen Sigrid there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Wow. And the names they get, um, and the price, it's normally like a 10 10 to 15 quid. That's mental. yeah, it it's so good. Yeah, I saw the Who there in 2020 what? before uh, COVID happened, and it was 13 pounds. Wow, the T-shirt. Wow. You saw the the Who in Kingston Prison. Yeah, 12th of February. Are you, are you joking? No, 2020. Oh my god! And it was just the members of the Who as well. It was just Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. Were they playing music, or were they just there for a chat? There was a lot of talking. To be fair, yeah, but no, they did about that. seven or eight songs. They did "Won't Get wow. Fooled Again" in its entirety, acoustic guitar, which is just noise. To be perfectly honest, were you like front row? Uh, nah. So I was towards towards the back, but it's right, so yeah. small in there, and I'm so tall. You can see everything. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. To pull it, yeah. To pull it back to to yeah, live music to memories and everything. Um, to gen- <laughs> oh, as everything comes back to Genesis, exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, two hundred and five. That's insane. What? So, what do you think? Oh, this may be the only opportunity I ever get to say it. Uh, two o five live. Cheers. 
Oh, yeah. Well That's amazing. That is actually incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the more I think about it, the more incredible that gets. Wow. I got it about five seconds later. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> when you name a dead wrestling show, people don't tend to yeah. uh, react much, do they? Uh, I mean, oh, us two, you telling you telling us two is probably the same audience that 205 had, Live had towards the end. So, <laughs> What about live wrestling, Chris? What have you seen? I've made a list of the times. This sounds a bit braggy, especially after you made me uh, bring up the live shows and things. The 205 Live. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, which is a something I have also seen as well, because they make you. But sometimes <laughs> the wrestling was in that was the best part of the whole show. Um, they used to tape it show- before SmackDown, didn't they? Yeah, they went through a phase of doing it afterwards as well. So oh, half God. the people had left. And then they do a dark <laughs> match, which would just be like the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. And then the other half of the people would leave. No offence to those performers. Oh. It's just, it'd be like 11 o'clock and there'd be kids there. But um, first time I went was 2009. So I waited quite a while. Um, mm. That was me, one of my friends from school, my brother. And my mum was there as well. Oh, and, wow. Was that, was that your chaperone? Well, she, um, because we had wrestling on in the house quite a lot, she wasn't into it, but she knew who everyone was. Like, she used to always say Triple H was her favourite because we didn't like him. <laughs> what um, a heel. Your mum turned heel. Exactly. The reign yeah. of terror. <laughs> yeah. Triple H would come out and she'd say stuff like, there's my boy Triple H and stuff. And uh, she didn't like Randy Orton and Evolution, though. And she always found oh, Ric Flair to be... Okay problematic which wow. uh, I would not ahead of the curve either. yeah, yeah. Uh, sixth sense um, there's a, an Avenger we don't have being able to work that stuff out immediately um, went in 2009 um, it was actually quite a stacked show I'll try and find the uh, the card I remember the dark match so this was, was William Regal and everyone lost their minds this was just a house show then oh no so it was a uh, an episode of Raw uh, being filmed oh nice okay yeah, because um, I've heard from people now that if you want to go and see WWE live, go to a house show because it's genuinely more fun than seeing the live stuff being taped. Because when you go to a house show, people just muck around and do silly stuff. But when you're ta- when they're taping Raw, they ha- there's it's long and it's drawn out and every and you have to wait for like the, the ad breaks and in the ad breaks nobody actually wrestles and. It's just like you get long promo sections and stuff. So that's what I've heard anyway. I've actually never seen anything that's been taped for live broadcast. I've seen. I've been to a couple of. I've been to a couple of things that were taped for the network, but not stuff that was going out at the time. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. To be fair, they actually refilmed the ending of a match as well. Um, CM Punk beat Kane, and it was meant to be the roll up, I think, and they didn't get it quite right. And Punk was halfway up the ramp, and suddenly he just walked back into the ring because uh, I took the opportunity to run to the merch stand to buy a Shawn Michaels t-shirt, even though he wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and suddenly you know, they'd stopped CM Punk's music. He was back in the ring. And then they were like, here is your winner. And I was thinking, I know, I just saw him win like a minute ago. <laughs> what, why aren't they announcing this twice? Um, I had that when I went, when I went to that first night of the Albert Hall show, One of, there was a women's four way and one of the women got injured quite early in the match and they like oh, threw right. up the X and everything. So they stopped. Uh, Triple H came out and talked to everyone and was like, okay, guys, we're going to do this again. Play along now. So they did it again. <laughs> they had 
the ring and the announcer was like, the following contest is a triple threat match. <laughs> and everyone was like, hey. And then they did all the entrances again. I can't, I think it was uh, Ginny who got injured, who's on NXT UK these days. Oh, was I used a... to love a bit of Ginny. Did you? I think she was, yeah. yeah, one of the, one of the progress women's champions. I think one of the, one of those, uh, someone who held that belt, but yeah, she got injured and, and they redid the whole entrances and everything. Very strange. It was a very strange experience, but everyone played along. Everyone was there to have a good time. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, it was it was nice. Um, and that was headlined by a, a, a six man tag of British Strong Style versus Undisputed Era. So that was cool. Oh, nice. Uh, and speaking of Shawn Michaels, he was there. He came out with Triple H uh, a bit later on, and we got we got to see HBK, which was super. I cool. had to go to a house show to see Shawn Michaels because my favorite ever, and they did the DX Invasion tour later that year. Okay. Um, so I did get to see him, and then he retired in March, and then never wrestled again. <laughs> Definitely not in, not in this country, not in any country. Never, nope. ever, ever. You know, there's no. a figure of bald Sean you can buy. <laughs> How ridiculous not. is that? Oh, no, there yeah. is. Oh, who wants that? God. Is there a figure of Kane uh, when his mask fell off in that? <laughs> that would be good. Um, yeah, my wrestling. So my first wrestling show live was a Raw House show. Uh, it was 2016. It was just after the brand split had come back. So yeah. if you remember correctly, Finn Balor won the Universal Championship at SummerSlam that year. He then gave it up because he was injured. It was then won by Kevin Owens uh, on Raw. And then I think it was later that week that I went to see this house show. And the main event was a triple threat between. KO, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins for the championship. Um, Seth Rollins nearly killed himself doing a suicide dive, <laughs> nearly hit the barricade. And I believe that was the first time the Universal Championship had ever been defended. Wow. So well, that's that was kind of cool. Yeah. I don't I think that was true, because I think that was the first house show they did after the after KO won the won the belt. But honestly, and this is tying back into my house show comment earlier about how just silly and fun it is, the best matches that night, or the biggest pops, were Braun Strowman when he was first starting out on his own versus Goldust in what was like <laughs> Goldust did like Goldust did a like flipping senton off the apron onto Braun Strowman, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> Goldust is amazing." <laughs> Little did we know he would have that five-star match with Cody just a few years later. And the other match was the Shining Stars, if you remember those guys. Primo uh, and Epico. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I used, used to listen to a podcast called Gorilla Position where he pitched that they should be called P.E. They were called Primo <laughs> and Epico and they would come out as physical education. <laughs> <laughs> That's somehow worse than the Shining Stars. <laughs> They had a two-on-one handicap match against the Big Show. Um, when Big Show's music hit, when the well hit, the whole place went mental. Like everyone was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I don't think anyone expected to see Big Show, and and he came out and he did like loads of silly shtick, and like they got on top of each other's shoulders, and they were still sort of the same height as Big Show, and he did a double choke slam and won. And honestly. It was so much fun. <laughs> I would love to see the Big Show in person. Big Show was, yeah, that was like, it was, yeah, Big Show and Gold Dust were the pop, genuinely the pops of the night. And another good moment was it, Chris, Chris Jericho uh, faced Roman Reigns when Reigns was in like full on being booed as a baby face. And he kept getting on the mic 
midway through the match. And at one point he got the mic and he and he yelled to the crowd, do you think I'm sexier than Roman Reigns? And everyone <laughs> cheered like, yes, 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 yes. That was so, so much fun. Uh, and then I've seen a couple of NXT UK things. I went to see one in Norwich, actually, where uh, Tyler Bate defended the NXT UK championship against Joseph Connors, I think it was. Um, and I went to the Albert Hall thing. And Nathan, you actually missed one off, Nathan, because we went to see some wrestling oh in Norwich, my God. didn't we? I totally forgot about that. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I find Future Studios to be a bit of a weird venue, but that may have been because of the experience we had there. <laughs> Big up Future Studios in Norwich. Uh, it's no, I was just Stud- shitting on it, but I'll stop. <laughs> Epic Studios, actually. Oh, sorry. The what, what the hell is Future Studios? I have anyway? no idea. I have no um, idea as well. We saw. I, I don't. I'm not going to name the promotion because I'm a bit afraid of them. But they put on a show, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> it was very campy. Very sort of. It was holiday camp wrestling, which. <laughs> Is not my favourite thing in the world, I must admit. But we, we we brought along a non-wrestling fan, and I think she spiralled for maybe a month after we took her there. Oh I my. think that was genuinely the last time we properly hung out with her. I don't think she oh ever. My God. I don't think she ever forgave us for taking her to that show. <laughs> we did see though. We saw Bram, formerly of TNA. Um, yeah. And WWE used to be in the Ascension, and we saw Scott Hall. At that show, oh, and, Kenneth, all... and Kenneth Anderson. Oh, we saw there. Ken Anderson, didn't we? Yeah, we thought yeah. we were going to see Rey Mysterio, but he was in the evening show, uh, and we went home to watch Eurovision instead, which was a much better time. So yeah, those are my those are my live <laughs> wrestling experiences. Um, I've got another thing here. One one last question, which I think would be quite fun. Have you ever heard a wrestling song outside of wrestling? And if so, what's the best example? My answer is genuinely no. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Okay. I can't think of anything. Yeah, it was a long shot. But... It was a long shot. I've no, I've not been in a Costa and Dude Loves theme started playing. <laughs> that <laughs> which would is work. great. That would work though. Yeah, that would really work. Uh, Chris, have you? Have you? Must have seen some bands who've performed some wrestling themes. So I've seen the old Raw theme, um, the one called "To Be Loved" by Papa Roach. You know, whoa, oh, not that one. Not uh, in your him. eye. No. Oh, what? what is in your eye? You know, in your eye. <laughs> oh, the... that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, okay. the song that precedes the. Yeah. Anyway, lyrics are so incoherent in that. I mean, it's an all-time classic raw theme. Yeah, I used to like Papa Roach back in the day. Yeah, me too. Their album, "Getting Away with Murder." Hmm. About two thousand and four, something like that. That's not the um, because Infest is the first album, isn't it? With uh, cut my life into pieces. Yeah, that's it. And they had a song called "Broken Home" off of that as well. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that on Kerrang back in the day. I suppose an easy win is I've seen Rolling by Limp Biscuit live and My Way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're uh, <laughs> they're easy shouts. That's mad. Yeah, I mean that's they're. A great... I guess they're, uh, they were songs before they were theme songs, as silly as that sounds, because that does apply to the Papa Roach song. I was at um, Brixton Academy once, I can't remember who I was seeing, and they played DX's music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I, I, you're a, you're a big football fan, Chris. And have you ever been to the Arsenal Stadium? Because I hear they play a lot of wrestling themes there. Um, so I have, but um, there's good compilations of this actually. In lockdown, they would walk out to all different themes, um, <laughs> but I've not seen it happen. Annoyingly, I've, I've been there and seen Leicester lose about eight times. Um, <laughs> out of eight times I've been there as well, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. But I think they did it more in lockdown, unfortunately. Um, did, did I feel like copyright just wasn't a thing in lockdown? Like you, just, nothing was a thing in lockdown. No one had the energy to care, did they? The BBC was allowed to show the Premier League and the uh, Korean Premier League as well. Do you remember when that one random Korean game oh, ended yeah. up on the BBC? Yeah, there weren't <laughs> many cases in Korea, so it was the only football that was on. Oh. <laughs> The Sioux oh. One Blue Jays, I believe, won that match. Big up if you're listening. <laughs> we just get some COVID nostalgia there. A little bit, yeah. I was going to try not to mention it, but it came... oh, <laughs> I've just realised one another song I've seen. Um, WrestleMania 21. Uh, there was two themes. There was um, it was also called Big Time, but it was by the soundtrack of our lives. I want to say, and then that is a terrible bad name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And horrible then, <laughs> the, the other theme was um, famous for their music, but also for playing Donald Trump's inauguration, um, Three Doors Down with Behind yeah. Those Eyes. I've actually yeah. seen them twice as well. I used to like the Three Doors Down until they came out as massive Trump supporters, and I was like, I'm going to back off from that. I should have seen it coming, because between each song, uh, I think, oh, I'm really embarrassed, I know this, but Tom Arnold, their lead singer. Is it Tom Arnold? Or is he a comedian? I have no idea. I have no Brad idea. Arnold. I think it's Brad Arnold. Um, Tom Arnold was married to Roseanne, who we also won't <laughs> talk about. God, the God, world really... is so problematic. Um, <laughs> really is. But between every song, he would say in his southern accent, thank you, my brothers, or thank mm. you, my friends. And every song before it was dedicated to the US military as well. Oh, so I should have no. seen it coming. It was either red, there was red flags everywhere, and that's because they were the Confederate flag. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, very different kind of red, white, and blue. Uh, which yes, we won't, we won't get into. Yeah, stars uh, and I've stripes. A, yeah, oh, more. Yeah, uh, I've seen a singing wrestler live because I went to see Fozzy in Cambridge. Oh, amazing! When they toured here a few years ago, have you seen Fozzy, Chris? No, I haven't, but they did play the Agincourt in Camberley when I was in like year nine. Um That's the second that's the second live show sorted. Yeah. After um, the Anvil. That's a proper rock bar as well. Um Oh nice. Yeah, people yeah. um before Emo there was Grebos and it was a proper Grebo place to go. And uh, I don't, do I wanna know what a Grebo is? It was just an emo before the music got um, as, well, emotional, I guess, hence the abbreviation. Grebo was like a, a really dirty emo from what, from, <laughs> that was my school recollection anyway. Yeah, and then do you remember emos evolved into, you had scene kids after that. Yeah. yeah. yeah so... Scene kids were more, when I was at school, I was friends with a lot of oh, scene the, kids. The thing with scene kids, they were quite attractive and it was annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so but it was good also because it, you know, there was less divides between people, so the the, the whole bullying culture stopped between yeah. social groups. <laughs> yeah, I think seeing kids was the real peak was probably Paramore because the way they dressed mm. was exactly how seeing kids did. Um, but sorry, this isn't about the Agent Court in Camberley where our second live show <laughs> take place. How was uh, Fozzie and seeing Chris Jericho sing? 
Fozzie were good. They opened. Uh, he he. You remember he had that light up jacket for a while. He had that when he opened the show. Oh, that's cool. oh god! Um, I read they that. did a they did a cover of Abba's SOS, which was genuinely really good. Um, they played okay, a okay. cover. I don't. This was pre Judas, I think, unfortunately. So I haven't seen that live. Uh, but they've got some good songs. People people dump on Fozzie a lot, but I like a lot of their music. Um, Jericho's singing voice is what it is. It's sort of, it's fine for what he's doing in terms of the sort of the, the classic rock stuff. Um, I feel like he takes it a bit too seriously sometimes. I think he genuinely thinks he's great. But hey, someone's got to believe in him, I suppose. But I had a great time at the Junction in Cambridge. Uh, I've also seen Alter Bridge live, but they did not do Ooh. Metalingus, and I've seen them twice. And I don't think they did Metalingus once, which is a shame. I've also seen a band called Nonpoint, if you've heard of them. Uh, they did a lot of the music on Raw vs. Smackdown 2006, which is a favourite WWE game of mine. So that was a very tangential wrestling connection. And my one experience, or I think the, the weirdest of most surreal wrestling music theme outside of wrestling was I was in the toilets at Heathrow Airport in about 2018 or 2017 maybe and I just seen my girlfriend at the time not together now uh she had left to go to America to study abroad for a year so I was obviously very sad and I went to the toilets and I was crying because I was upset and all of a sudden the song that Matt Hardy used in TNA as Broken Matt Hardy, the <laughs> piano piece, came on. And I sat up and I was like, hang on a second. I totally broke out of the crying. And I was just like, this is the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Oh, I and I was that. just like, you know what? That made me feel a million times better. So, so thank you, Matt Hardy, and and his theme from TNA. For, further proof that music is is the reason to live. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. And I think that might we might end on that sentiment because I've run out of questions. Um, unless anything's got anyone's got anything else to say, I think we should tell the good people who've listened to us what the show is actually going to be about going forward. Hopefully, you've enjoyed getting to meet us. Um, Basically, we've got two. I think we've got two ideas of what we want this show to be. We're going to be reviewing wrestling albums, so that's things like WWF the music or the anthology or the the wrestling albums from back in the eighties. Um, stuff that you know, John Cena's albums. Uh, I really want to do a jingle with Jillian at some point, maybe as a yes! Christmas, yes! as a the Christmas can- special, the cancerous mole. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Elias's EP, all that sort of stuff. So if you've got a suggestion for a wrestling album you want us to review, please let us know. We will have links to our to our contacts and everything in the description of this podcast. And the second strand, which I think could get really interesting, we're going to do a top three from each of us, and we're going to set ourselves um, this topics, shall we say, every episode. So it might be our three favourite Attitude Era themes, or it might be our three favourite modern themes or women's themes or themes i don't know themes of wrestlers beginning with t or or something better than that but and that's basically again if so if you have an idea for a theme that you'd like us to to cover or a topic you'd like us to cover please let us know because that would be fantastic uh we'd love some audience interaction on this uh i'm excited guys i think this could be really fun and i think we could get into a lot of fights about 
certain themes that people people will mention at some point. Yeah, like for a scrap or two, definitely. I know there's <laughs> only no one that we disagree on, which we've I feel like we've both made an effort to not mention today. Um, yeah. So we'll have an argument, end the podcast, and never see each other again. Yeah, perfect. Well, that suits me, uh, Nathan. Any, oh. Apart from Jingle with Gillian, <laughs> any anything you're looking forward to reviewing? Uh, Randy Savage ra- uh, rap oh. album, definitely. I um, uh, Vince McMahon stand back. <laughs> uh, those are the the random <laughs> thoughts that are coming to my mind now. We'll have um, to do that in because I think we'll have to do the, that entire Slammys award because there were a lot of performances on that show. Yeah, uh, we'll have um, to. Look, I mean, the problem with doing this podcast is we have to live up to the lofty expectations of Brian Zane, who has reviewed a lot of the music in wrestling already. But yes, we we will do it differently, and we will do it in an audio format. So. Listen to us as well, please. <laughs> I'll leave please, it at that. <laughs> please don't stop. Uh, anything for you, Chris, that you want to get into? Um, so potentially the soundtrack to the film Ready to Rumble. Um, oh, okay. There's some great songs on there, like Brick House by the Commodores. There's also <laughs> My Own Worst Enemy by the band Lit, which you hear about six times in that film. And so we will review it six times. Um <laughs> I'd also like to potentially review every rendition of America the Beautiful from WrestleMania. <laughs> that is amazing. That's genius. Uh, maybe yeah, a bit further I'm... down the line, but I but... I already have so many thoughts. Like my brain exploded <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> oh, that brilliant. is, yeah, okay. I think we've got. I think we're onto something there. We'll talk about that in the next production. That's meeting. maybe a two-parter, considering there's what is there thirty-eight currently. I think that's more like a three-parter, Nathan. Yeah, it's probably a three-parter. Yeah, maybe <laughs> four, if, if you're, yeah, maybe a four-parter. Actually, do you want to kill me in the edit? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you all. Uh, unless anyone else had anything to say, I think we we might have to ring the bell on this one and draw this to a close. Ding ding. Ding, ding, indeed. Thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you so much for putting up with Chris's chicken sausages uh, and my my parking lot music that's going on at the moment. I'm going to go shout at some kids. But yeah, very excited to get this underway. We will uh, we will be back with the first proper episode soon. We won't say what it is, not because we're trying to keep up any suspense, because we don't know what it is yet. I've been Jacob Simmons. They've been Nathan Packham and Chris Sharman. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs>